0: Welcome to Foreman & Wolf on Food & Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. Cindy, one of the questions, I'm sure you get it all the time, I get it all the time from folks I see in restaurants. How do people turn out restaurant quality food at home? So I thought we should sort of explore that. Mm -hmm. So what are are the factors that can either help you do it, or what are the things that can't be done?
1: Well, the the, the factors um, are definitely what equipment you have, whether it's small pieces of equipment, whisk and tongs, you know, food processors and mixers, all the way up to your stove, your hood system, and what sort of tables and workspaces you have in your kitchen, to product availability, and frankly, I also define this, this the three court categories into labor. <laughs> yeah. So what's your labor situation at home? <laughs> Which yep. is obviously a, tremendously different from that of a so restaurant.
0: Let's, so let's break down uh, those different areas. Mm-hmm. Let's start with equipment. Let's start with the big stuff and go to the little stuff.
1: Sure.
0: The big stuff, immediately I think of firepower. I agree. If I've got to cook in somebody's home kitchen, that is my first my, my, my first was, terror. Yeah,
1: the word fear comes into my yeah. head when you say cooking in someone else's kitchen. But yes, exactly. Yeah. And do they well? Let's start with the fact that do they have an electric stove or do they have a gas stove?
0: Exactly. So that's the first terror. Do you remember? Remember <laughs> having to do that? We did that competition for all the county executives and the mayor, a couple of years ago. For uh, oh
1: yeah. A uh, fundraiser. Yeah, on propane and, burners.
0: And you, you, <laughs> you know my cooking. You know my cooking. What do I need more than anything else?
1: Oh, you like you, you need high, you need high heat.
0: Okay, you, and you they give us a propane burner.
1: I, I've cleaned many a, a Tony Foreman pan that I thought I was never going to be able to clean again or use again because it was you, you, want, you, you like you wanna, high
0: heat. You want to get a proper mark on oh something? Oh my
1: gosh! Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I saw also, this there thing. better be a, like, big, like, a good, oh good vent God. if Tony Foreman is cooking in your yeah. house. Or open all the windows. <laughs> Turn off the smoke detector. <laughs>
0: yeah. Or just build a big yeah, fire but outside. It's true. That's
1: and that's fine. I mean that's that's you know, that's just the way you cook. So but- it's all right. Some, you don't have a choice. I mean, we've had houses where we had electric stoves. I mean, you know, our first house had an electric stove. It, but, it was from the 19—I don't know. You corrected me the last time I said this, but I think it was from the 1960s. And, I mean, you know, we didn't have the money to do anything about it. So uh, that's what you use, you know, and people don't have choices. So you just you have to figure out how to use what you have. You have yeah. You but, have a pretty oh, serious Oh, now range. I have a beautiful range, and I'm super thankful for it. And it has five burners. Now, I could have— Done a much bigger stove, but in the end, I don't really need more that's than five burners at pl- yeah, home.
0: That's that's plenty for a,
1: yeah. You know, I mean, that's a that's lot. That's
0: plenty for home. One one big oven that takes a full sheet pan is oh my gosh to me. Plenty for home.
1: And that's really nice to have. To be able to, especially since we are so used to working in, or I am so used to working in commercial kitchen, um, I, I really like using my sheet pans. I mean, I'm used to that. I've been doing this forever. And and um, to use a cookie sheet or some other form of a sheet pan that home cooks have to use, uh-uh, doesn't work for me. So yes, I, I, I and actually I was lucky enough that the old stove uh, that was in my house when I bought my, my farmhouse... Um, Uh, That I was, it was in good shape. There was nothing wrong with it. It was, it was one of those glass top electric ranges. But you know what? I have that as backup, and I had room to put it in my pantry. So I am really thankful to have that thing because when I have a party, I have my beautiful, you know, La Cornue stove that has five burners. Two with super power, and um, two that actually can go down to really nice low power, um, low flame. Uh, And I have this backup stove that has I can put a full sheet pan in that has four more burners on it that I can hold stuff. You know, I can use as a. It's really really, well. It's really the oven that you use. Oh my gosh, it's so nice to have a second oven. And and I and I, I don't have cabinets in my kitchen, so to put a wall oven in would have made no sense in my kitchen. And I don't I don't want a wall oven, so I, I literally would have had to have put in a second stove or a double. You know, a, a, or a double size stove uh, to get the second oven in. So I'm I'm really lucky it worked out that way.
0: So firepower mm-hmm. is one of the things you think about it. At some people have grills outside. Some people don't have grills outside.
1: Oh, but gosh, that's another. I mean, what an advantage to have a grill outside. It just gives you one more place to cook. Or to even, you know, I mean, you can use it for well, anything. But, you can hold things on there. If you need to, you know, hold a a pan of barbecue or a pan of braised short ribs or a pan of roasted corn or a, side dish I mean not only can you cook on it but it's a heat it's a heating surface so you can and it has a lid on it which is fantastic you just put some foil over your food and there you go you can do good well those often now they have uh, burners on them which is great so it it really I mean if you're having a big party to be to have that is is a huge advantage to have a grill outside
0: but I think that firepower is that that first question you know Mm -hmm. and, and not everybody wants to make the commitment to that kind of thing so that someone doesn't have giant firepower. No,
1: you just have to do the best you can. I mean, if I- I- even with it's a good electric stove, you can get a pan really hot. I mean, it's
0: the, the it's heavy pans, uh, he- yes, heavy enough pans. Well, and
1: are your pans good conductors of heat? That's yeah, that's, that's what that's, you're getting at. Yeah. yeah,
0: is it you know that copper is important? Yeah, if you can afford it, you can at least
1: it. one or two copper pans, man, with stainless steel the, lining, it's it's huge. It's it, they're great, and and that's the thing you like to burn the hell out of is a good copper pan. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> because, yes you do. Well, you like yeah. to get the pan very very hot. Yeah. And you can. You can. You're not going to hurt that well, pan. Well, if, if
0: you're going to if you're going to cook a large piece of meat and get a sear mm-hmm. on it, you're going to have to get that pan pretty darn hot.
1: And a steel pan is the other thing yeah. you can get extremely hot and you will not hurt that pan as long as <laughs> you don't pop any of these pans in a, a sink full of hot wa- a sink full of soap water when they're hot. You you're going to have really good luck with these pans as but, long as you don't bang them around
0: a lot of the world is aluminum and teflon coated and those are not
1: I would uh, you know I would I would love to know what percentage of people use teflon coated pans at home if that really is you know popular because I mean I get it but I I wouldn't I mean I you might you want want to have it for certain things but even still if you just have a hot pan with good fat in it your food's not going to stick as long as you clean your pans properly and don't ruin the surface of the pan by using a steel pad on them if you use a green pad, you're going to be able to get that pan clean and without, you know, abrasively ruining the surface, being abrasive with the surface, yeah. yeah. Or or even like, what is it called? Bark heap. There are a couple of different powders that you can use, and those things will, you know, they, they're abrasive, but they're not as bad as putting steel on steel, which is what you're doing
0: with, you know, Just scratching it with the wire.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, but you, we were talking about equipment. So, and a good hood system. I mean, I just I just cooked at Easter at my mother's house. Um, I was home that Sunday. Well,
0: hood system meaning ventilation. Ventilation.
1: Oh my gosh, her ventilation okay. recirculates back into the house, and she actually she was cooking. Uh,
0: that's that's the craziest thing that that frustrates me. I mean, I oh, I, I have I, 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 I have a that. good restaurant range with good firepower, mm-hmm. and and good oven. The other thing I was going to mention besides pans is an oven thermometer. Do you actually know what temperature your oven is? That's big. If you're a baker, you have a serious baker especially in your house. You can't get results Well, they only without... cost a
1: couple of dollars. Just put yeah. put one in but your a, oven. put a good oven thermometer And really you don't even important. have to leave it in there. You can just put it in when you feel like, "Oh, I better check that," and then you can take it out, and put it in the drawer. Yeah. But yeah, they're a couple of dollars and I, that's a good point, Tony. I, I that's you have to know the temperature of your oven. But with a hood, you know, uh,
0: with 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 ventilation, uh, I mean, for, that's the one thing, and I have what's supposed to be a worthwhile ventilation system, but it's obviously a home system. Uh huh. And- there's no like. I'm gonna listen to fire alarms in my house every time I see her a piece of chicken. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I have to open the the kitchen door regardless of weather conditions.
1: Yes. Just I, to get enough I, air. I, I have the same to problem. To not listen to the <clears throat> beep, beep, yeah, it beep. Goes, hey, beep. M- mine goes off when I make toast, and I, I like golden toast. Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm just making toast, and the fire alarm's going off, and it, my poor cat. I, I think it pierces. <laughs> his I have eardrums. a three-year-old. I
0: have a three-year-old. Oh you know? well, no, all of us, that's everyone a, is affected scru-
1: by it. It's horrible. I mean, they're, they're gonna get you out of bed. Daddy, that's is the sure. alarm gonna
0: come off? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, oh, oh my boy.
1: God.
0: <laughs> Go outside and play, please.
1: <laughs> so does your hood vent <laughs> into your house,
0: or does it vent outside? It vents outside. It just doesn't have enough pull, huh? It doesn't have, enough pull. Well. Huh. Well, it doesn't have enough pull, and Mine I think does. that's. I think that's because at home they try not to screw up your air balance oh. for the house. Okay. So they only pull so much air out. Mine that's does a really
1: good job, I'll tell you.
0: I love it. I mean, if I turn that thing questions. on high,
1: it's all out of there. It's, it's, and you know, if you're, I almost never cook seafood at home. I, I just, I hate the smell of it in my house. And it, or if I do, I'm going to grill it and do it outside. But, um, man, I mean, even with seafood, it, it will pull. So that's, I mean, that's just a big deal. And what did
0: you do? What do you mean? For the ventilation.
1: Oh, it's the same as the stove. Okay. It's the same line. Okay. It's the same line.
0: So it actually works.
1: It really works very I well. Like mine. And it has good lighting in it too, which is nice. And the hood and the vents are easy to clean. So that's nice too. I mean, that's they pop good. right out and you put them in the – and I have a gigantic well, – Okay, you have to, talking you, about equipment, that's the other thing, is that the, to me, for the first time in my home life – I have a gigantic commercial sink in my house. That, to me, yeah, is one was, of my favorite things in sink, my house. Sink was next on my <laughs> oh, list. Oh, my
0: gosh. You can't actually wash any produce properly no. unless you have a big sink. Exactly. I wonder, I wonder how many listeners go to their like, laundry tubs when they get stuff from the farmer's market so, Just to get I things bet. clean. I
1: bet a lot of people do because yeah. I'll tell you what, the sink that was in my in my house before, when I bought it, I mean, it was the sh- most shallow sink I've ever seen. It was like eight inches deep. I, I, actually, I should have measured it before That's we talking out. I'm like, what? I
0: don't even understand this. It's a hand washing sink. Right? The, <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like, you, you're you ambitious. You want to pickle some beets. Yes. You know, and put them away. Oh, or, yeah. Like, and they're sandy
1: you... and they have tops that are yeah. all a mess. I
0: mean, you, and... you need, I and mean, you're going to do. 20 bunches of beets and you go and you get them you get like 9 beets in your sink <laughs> you know and, and, and you also want to oh, you, you want to scrub your sink too that's the thing is you want you need to use that sink right and people don't always you know I hope that they, they always take care of it you know oh, it's going to be very sanitary well
1: I mean, I remember when I was a kid, my mom, you know, had the two, two-sided sink, and then at some point they started doing the two-sided sink with the other side is like half as deep as the other side. I'm like, wait, I don't understand that. I just need a gigantic big sink, which is what I have. So I have, yeah. I mean, literally, literally, I'm not exaggerating, I could get in there and take a bath uh, if I had to. And I have a washboard on the left, so the cool That's, thing about I a washboard- I can make
0: no comment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> having a washboard meaning that I can scrub all my pots and pans on that washboard and it has a big edge so all the wa- and it drains of course into the sink um it, i mean it's just the greatest thing because you can you know and also for me, being used to working in a commercial kitchen, I'm used to if I drop something on the floor, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, I can sweep it up. It's yeah. it's it's a, it's a tile well, floor. I'm working pe- on plastic matting. I mean, you know, th- th- I don't have to worry about anything. Well, pe-
0: people have carpets down. Which, exactly,
1: and at home you have to, or, yes. or or maybe you have a nice wooden floor. Or you have a beautiful, uh, you know, tile floor, or I don't know. You have something. Yeah, I have a Most nice people at home floor, are worried have about. Have a nice wooden floor. sweep it and mop it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I have a wooden floor, and I, I'm scared every time I get water on it from my sink. So it's really nice to, you know, just – that's the great thing about working in a commercial kitchen. You know, I can put a hot pan on a stainless steel table. I can – you know, it can, you can just do anything. You don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. that's a, the home, is very the different. The next
0: thing in my line after firepower, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ventilation and pans is work surface. And this is, I think, where home kitchens usually have a ton of – they have a ton of square footage of work surface but they're often covered with all kinds of stuff.
1: And I will use my sister as an example. When I when I first really started going to her house maybe like at Christmas time and then she would, oh would you cook dinner? I'm like sure if you remove everything from your countertop. I mean they're like flowers I and mean, back in the day they were like Plastic flowers, you know, those are in style, or dried flowers. They were like everywhere, and there were things everywhere. And I know it well, looked pretty, the, 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 but I'm people, like, have, people have their baking stuff. canisters. Oh, God, I can't stand it. I mean, to me, and I
0: love cookies, but the cookie jar is also
1: well. Those things are all going to get dirty too. Quite frankly, I mean, if you have cabinets, put them in there. If you have a pantry, put them in there. You know, or just just store stuff. And I know we want you, some you, things you at our to... fingertips, but mostly it's tools that you, you need at your fingertips. You, you, if, and you only need a few of those.
0: If you want to actually cook something, you need the workspace. You do. You need the workspace for the next thing on my list. What's that? A good cutting board.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. No, okay, now okay, I'll, I'll now, go back to my family again. Okay. My mother has one of those, I don't know what they are, ceramic, glass, h- horrific things. How are you supposed to cut something on glass? I can only say that your it's terrible for your knife. Or, or,
0: or something that's like almost like... China.
1: Oh yeah, you can't work on that sort of surface, and and you're that's the, cut your, I finally, but I started buying my family things. Like slice I, would, your fish I bought on my a sister plate? a cutting board. I bought my mom a cutting board. I'm like, even if you never use it, just have it here so when I come, I can work on it. I buy them knives. I buy. Besi- you know.
0: I mean, besides rubber and wood,
1: I hope my family doesn't listen to this you know,
0: show. Well, <laughs> they might. They might listen to the podcast. You know. <laughs>
1: No chance. Um, but the, the,
0: the odds of me sending a text message to your sister to tell her to listen to this particular podcast <laughs> are very, high. very high.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but truly, I mean, what it comes down to is, you know, obviously, I come from a perspective that's very different from a home cook, but it still makes sense. You to do, me that you wouldn't don't have things all over you your, have work your mom surface. and your sister to remind you.
0: I, I, I do. Yes, <laughs> but so it's just, yeah, it's it's put the work, it away because people have they have the space, but the mixture that they use twice a year is taking up the best spot. Yeah. You know. Right. The coffee maker, put -hmm. it in the corner. Give yourself good space around the sink. And you have to have an inflow to the sink and an outflow to the sink. Yeah. You know, dirty dishes can't go everywhere. They have to go in one spot. With cutting boards, besides rubber and wood, you know, like wood Wood block. What else is there? Anything else that? Uh, there was this. I mean, I like my wooden boards. Oh, home. I
1: love. Yeah, and I have several. I have several, and also because I, the only way to deal with cheese, if you're going to serve gross pieces of cheese, gross pieces is, is a. You mean large pieces? A of large cheese.
0: piece, right? I think that's that's fantastic use of gross. Well,
1: there. that's how we talk in the kitchen.
0: Let's get to the next segment in a few moments. where We'll talk more about what what are the things that you need in your kitchen to try to produce, you know, excellent restaurant quality food. And, uh, and then, remember, in the future, the third segment, there, there will be a chef's challenge.
1: <laughs> Look forward to
0: it. Very good. Uh, all of that on Formula Wolf on Food & Wine on WIPR. <laughs> Welcome back to Foreman & Wolf on Food & Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we're spending a little bit of time talking about what are the things that, that make it possible to do restaurant-quality food at home. Mm-hmm. But you know the thing we haven't really done is to say, well, if you don't have a commercial range, mm-hmm. or if you don't have a great big sink, or if you don't have heavy-duty pans, that the pan thing, I, I don't think you can, I don't think there is a variation. Right, right. You know, the the firepower thing, the only thing I can think of is the thing I've had to do in those situations, which is choose dishes that are not going to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, and, I mean, as I was saying, I don't, you know, it's very nice to have a, a great range, but even, you know, everyday ranges can achieve what you need them to achieve. It's just maybe not quite as easy, um, but... You know, just think ahead and make sure that your burners are hot. And if it's an electric stove, that things are, you know, the the biggest thing with working with electric versus gas is the obvious one, which is gas um, temperature changes at a touch of the knob, whereas electric is a slower change in temperature or, you know, increase in temperature. So um, you you just have to think about it when you're cooking. If you
0: have a heavy pan in either situation, it's more consistent. And Mm -hmm. you can move the pan off the electric burner. Yeah yeah that's true. You know, that's that that's the thing that that people sometimes they they like they're trapped and they freeze. It's like the truck is coming. Ah.
1: Right. Well the 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 I think you you've hit it kind of hit nail on the head there. Obviously, I mean, you know, not everyone can afford a really expensive pan, but an expensive stove costs many many thousands of dollars. Uh, an expensive pan may cost $125 or 200 or 3, you know, whatever. Well, if
0: if you if you go f- get one big Le Creuset pan, one that's big enough, at least, to put a great big whole chicken in. Mm-hmm. If you if One that size is not a giant piece of money. And, and that's
1: a cast iron pan with enamel on the outside of it. Right. That is not and a stainless steel pan. No,
0: but it will act like it's as easy to clean as a lot of Teflon. Yes, it, they are you, pretty easy to it's clean. It's heavy those. enough because of the cast iron that you can get a pretty darn good sear. Yeah. As long as you have, so, you know, as you long can as you do a lot with those pans. As long as you, you know, get it hot and then put your oil in it, and then put your protein in it, and you don't overload the pan. Mhm. But that's, I mean, to me, that's the like that's the one investment.
1: Either yeah. You
0: you you can do an awful lot with that pan and just a home range.
1: Right. Or if you can bite the bullet on a good stainless steel pan. I mean, copper is the one that costs. I mean, copper costs a fortune. You know, good stainless steel pans are expensive, but it, the, the biggest thing is is that all the lines have, well, not all of them, but some of the lines have less quality in their line. You know, they they, they have a range of prices. It's a range of quality and how, how thick is the metal, how many different metals are in the pan, how is the pan exactly made, how is the handle made. So, you know, if you can afford that, then even if you have an everyday stove, you can achieve a lot more.
0: I th- it's funny I was sort of thinking about so what are the things that are the biggest deal when if I go to my dad's house sure. and cook which yeah. is a very normal mm-hmm. home kitchen
1: does he have a gas stove
0: uh, they, he has a gas stove with very little power okay wow. I mean literally like mm-hmm. it, it will make you drink heavily it's so little power if you're me anyway um <laughs> yeah God love them but mm-hmm. it's, it's sure. very tough okay um So, what what are the things that are the only what are the important things when I go to his house to cook? A heavy pan that -hmm. that I can actually get hot before I put food in it. Then they can take the heat. A cutting board so I don't slice my fingers off. That's Mm -hmm. a good cutting board, and a knife. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing we haven't mentioned. Mm -hmm. You have to have an excellent knife. One of the cool things is that people can learn how to sharpen a knife now just with a YouTube video. Exactly.
1: It's, hard, it's not easy to do, and to be able to watch a video of someone doing it is extremely helpful, and then you just have to practice.
0: If you, right now it's asparagus season. Here's a, here's a pretty good test. If your knife is not sharp enough, if you hold up a thick spear of asparagus and you go to cut the end off, you should be able to hold it over the sink and just lop the end off, like you know, just like you're drawing with a knife. Zip zip. If you can't do that, your knife needs a lot of sharpening. Mm-hmm. I think that's not a bad. I think a lot of, of home. And
1: well, and that's you know for home cooks, that's that's a great skill to learn. So you know your knives have to be sharp. Your tools all have to be in good shape. It's it's but
0: a pan, a mm-hmm. cutting board that's safe, and a good knife that that's sharp. Can I think that's got to be half of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. that that has to be half of what gets you there.
1: Well, yeah, and if your sink isn't
0: huge, then you just you know, I mean, you just have it's to less you, we, convenient. we can
1: all adapt to w- what we have and if we can afford to change something, then we just learn how to deal with it. That's all there is to it. I mean, but I mean, but it's not so nice to know what you know, would, what your goal can be. Your goal should be if if you if you can change things. When
0: I'm thinking about my great grandmother, she never had any kind of a fancy kitchen, but if she had a lot of stuff to wash, she got that galvanized, like galvanized wash basin. Oh, uh,
1: that's funny. My you know, my grandmother was, had which those too. I think it so
0: probably cost her like three dollars. Uh. She'd pour pitchers of water into that guy. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, and, yeah. and and wash like collard greens and stuff and like. Yeah. Because you can't do much of anything in the home sink with those.
1: I think the other the other tools that are really helpful. I mean, you know, again, if you're working in a commercial kitchen, I've got a food processor on the shelf, a, a great blender on the shelf,
0: on the shelf, not the counter,
1: and that's yeah, they're out of the way. On and, the shelf, not the counter. Yes, and uh, a food mill, which is great to have, on the shelf,
0: not the counter. Oh my God,
1: <laughs> and a great blender, and those things are all at our fingertips. So, I mean, that's the next thing. I mean, about working in a in a in a home kitchen is, do you have those things? Do you need those things? And you know, do you or or do you have a handheld mixer? You know, that's what's so that's the difference between you know working in a commercial kitchen. We have all the things that we need at all times.
0: I, I'm now thinking about all the home blenders that I have fried, mm. the motor on back in the day, trying to get results out of it. Right. You know, well the, that's that's one thing you you kind of have to. There are some great blenders out
1: that they call the chefs' power tools now. And there are some great blenders that w- one of the cool things about them is that they really do blend everything into oblivion. I mean,
0: you 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 don't lose product
1: and, because well, they blend and, and, so well. But
0: you won't fry the motor on the.
1: And they can handle it. And the, the other blender. thing is, is they have hot lids now, which is nice because uh, also back in the day when I first started cooking, if you, you, we used wearing blenders, I mean, that's and what you, was in and every kitchen. You had to kitchen. hold a towel over. There. Oh my gosh, you took your life in your hands when you were you know those were gallon blenders held a gallon of hot soup or, you know, three quarters of a gallon of hot soup. And it was going to come out over the top if you weren't careful. And that was where your face was. I mean, yeah. And with the hot lids now, what it does is it allows the air to escape and the steam to escape. Um, You know, it doesn't, it doesn't go over. So as long as you don't overfill them, never fill a blender more than 75% or even less is better.
0: The other hand tools that are a big deal, just just little stuff. I mean, I would, what, what are the things that you use?
1: Well, uh, I you know, now, I, and people, if you watch cooking shows, we've started to all use the little tongs. And I used to, I will admit, I used to make fun of people for using them. And we've started using them because there are certain You mean little science class tongs? Yeah. There are certain instances where it does make sense to use the, I mean, you can't, in a commercial kitchen, you can't use those things all night long. There's no way. But but, but, but
0: good tongs, regardless of, if you right? want to have a series of sizes, have a series of sizes. Mm-hmm. But good tongs.
1: Yeah. And we buy heavy-duty stainless steel tongs. And, you know, again, going back to my mother, who I love and who is a great cook, but, you know, has had – and her tools, she's – she's, she's she, you know, her tools she's had since I was a kid. I mean, they're – some of them are probably 50 years old, quite frankly, to be perfectly awesome. honest. Oh, totally. And they're made really that's get, well. That's getting some miles. Oh, yeah. They're made really well. So, you know, she has the old type of tongs. It's kind of hard to describe, but... It's, you, it's like mom's to,
0: slotted spoon with the blue flowers on the handle? That kind no, of thing. they're yeah. metal
1: that open their handles, they pull apart, and then they have, like, this weird triangle thing at the top. I don't even understand those tongs. But, man, she knew how to use those. So, But I will say the one thing that I don't understand are these Self-locking tongs. I I will never forget the first time I went on to do national uh, TV show in New York. And I didn't bring my all of my own equipment. And I I brought a lot of things, but I did not bring tongs with me. So I'd use their tongs. It was a live TV show. And I'm like, what are these self-locking tongs? I don't even understand the point of them. But anyway, so bye. I, I can see you good, sort of
0: jerking around. Oh, yeah. With I'm like, the, wait,
1: here I am, a professional chef, the, and I, I look like an idiot trying to get I, these self-locking locking tongs to work. I'm like, why do the tongs lock? I guess so you can store them. That's the only thing I can think is that, you know, because tongs obviously are always open if if they don't do that. But anyway, so good tongs, um, good whisks, um, different size whisks are yeah. a big deal. And in, also for us, we use all different types of spoons. So small spoons—they're actually a lot of old spoons from old old uh, silver patterns make perfect quenelles um, because they're the, just the perfect shape, which is really nice. That's just—it's
0: the, the deeper—it's the deeper, you know, sort of like what used to be called the cream soup spoon.
1: hmm mm-hmm. You know, in, yeah. the, in the old pattern. It's fun to find those old uh, pieces in a antique store or something, and
0: okay, things I think about one because I make a lot of pasta, and two because I peel a lot of vegetables is a good peeler. Mm-hmm. And uh, a microplane, not just a cheese grater. Uh, microplanes are fun. Not just a cheese grater, but a good microplane. And if you want to do it and actually get, you know, a decent-sized surface area of cheese, you have to get a decent-sized surface area microplane. If you Which only they get make. a long, if you only get a long skinny guy, you'd be grating Parmigiano for these six people for like twenty minutes. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, so, and then you have to decide if that's the grade grate you want for your Parmigiano.
0: The other thing for the pasta cook. This is my. Tangential thing. Uh, it's also incredibly valuable for a vegetable cook. I have a heavy pot that that I can boil water pretty fast in, and I think even in my dad's I can boil water pretty fast in. It's a pretty heavy pot. It has a basket the size of the pot that goes down in it or sits up on it. So that's nice. If you if you're gonna take you can take pasta, drop it in there, and drain it, and, and Drain it, but you you can put the top on, you know. When it's boiling, take the top off. You can shake the basket a little bit so things don't stick. You can you know you can drain it. I mean honestly, that pot to a cruise where you have all of your garnishes ready for the pasta and a little stock or something, you know, dump it right in there with a little bit of the well-seasoned pasta water and mm-hmm. you you now you're cooking and it's not a giant something like that. I mean that's just a big stainless steel. Ben.
1: Yeah, so I think in the end it just comes down to, I mean, I know that every, the last two kitchens, excuse me, that I have uh, gotten to design um, for my homes, um, you know, uh, my goal was to make it work as well as I could like a commercial kitchen without, you know, with it still being warm and a nice place for people to be and a place people wanted to be. So that's that's your, I think that's your challenge is you know how do you take care of your family and have a space that you need and all the storage you need, et cetera, et cetera, and yet be able to work at the best of your ability.
0: Yeah, things things <laughs> that that I have a hard time, like when I go to my dad's. And so, a a, a regular home range, it's hard to get a good sear on. It, you you can overload a pan if you want a good sear on a piece of fish or a piece of chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, that's and so if you have a large group, you have to think about other other dishes. Mm-hmm. You know, long, slow-roasted things from your oven.
1: Sure.
0: You know, long, slow-roasted guinea fowl with, you know, garlic and rosemary, something that you just keep basting with the juice from roasting those guys. Um, you know, the different quarters of it. That That kind of thing, you can get a fantastic result from that oven. And that's not something that... Because of the roasting time, you're still going to get good caramelization on the on the skin of the bird. That's not going to hurt that. D- doing a whole roasted chicken, you can do that. I mean, taking advantage of that oven, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of times, side dishes on the top. Yes. While you're doing your main item, mm-hmm. you know, just a you know, a larger piece of beef, again in the oven. What what cuts of beef do you think are best for an oven, as opposed to? Uh
1: I like I like prime rib. If you have a big oven, I prefer to make a prime rib on the bone um, because it just produces better flavor and better texture for the meat. And um, definitely, um, again, bone-in pork loin. If you can, you know, or or the rack, uh, the rack of any basically cut of meat is nice because again, you have bones and. And also, you can make stock with those bones afterwards. I mean, there's just so much you can get out of something like that, and you can make a great sauce um, in those pans by deglazing those pans and adding stock that you already made from another cooking situation. And and also chicken. I mean, chicken. If you can buy a really great chicken, I think it's one of the best things you can eat to feed a large family or a large group. is It's not expensive, and well roasted chicken is absolutely a delicious thing. So it all st- with all cooking it all starts with the quality of product
0: it's it is harder to do seafood in these in those situations <laughs> and you, you really kind of have to do that in a heavy pan yeah on the top but you can sure you just can't overload pans and one thing like the salmon fillets you can roast those to medium rare and they'll rest up to medium and you can take the chill off of, if you if you have to do two batches you can take the chill don't leave them in the oven but you can take the chill off that first batch; that'll still have some temperature, you know, when the other ones are are, you know, have come out of the pan and are waiting to be plated.
1: I think shrimp are another nice thing to cook for, uh, you know, a good sized group because it's it's quick. I mean, you can all you have to do is peel and devein them ahead of time, and you know, it's a it's a you know well, they don't four want minute that, cook time. They don't want
0: high heat anyway.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that's good. Okay, I will say one thing. I know scallops are a challenge for people. So with scallops a teflon pan is pro- this is probably the time to use it. You can, you know at the restaurant we do not use uh teflon but you know as long as you have again a, a a in good condition stainless steel pan and on high heat with good fat you will be able to brown them beautifully as long as they are the quality scallop that will brown. Um, but a Teflon pan is is you know, and crab cakes. I think that's the other time. You know, I know in my past we have used when Teflon pans first came out. Well, crab did cakes, you want to brown, restaurant.
0: but you don't. You don't want to zap it. I mean, that's
1: no. But it's it's it, that's one of those things because it has mayonnaise in there, and if your pan's not hot and you don't have the right fat in there they will stick to your pan. So that's probably another time that it's uh, – if you have Teflon pans. I makes would be, it pretty easy. Yeah, it, yeah. And I think with eggs, it just worries me. I think a lot of people do use Teflon for that. Um, but, you know, you, you, you with a scrambled egg, you've really got to break up that curd. So, you know, you I don't know what – you have it,
0: to – Not a bad solution on, on the Teflon is Calphalon. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you you don't have the, the coating to worry about quite as much. Right. Anyway, when we come back on Formula Wolf on Food & Wine – We'll wrap trying to do restaurant-quality food in the home kitchen. It's spring, so I'm going to give you a little quick list of rosés. And uh, then we have a chef's challenge coming up. All of that and more on Foreman Wolf on food and wine on WIPR. Welcome back to Foreman & Wolf on Food & Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. And Chef Cindy Wolf. And we've been spending a little bit of time trying to talk about the different elements that make it different um, and, and make it possible to to prepare restaurant-quality food at home. The, the One of the things it, that I think is tough is, and people will they'll see stuff, whether it's on the Food Network or they'll see these beautiful photographs and cookbooks, and the food looks great, and they think, Oh, I can't make something that looks like that.
1: So you're talking about plating?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm talking yeah. about when you when you, when you decide to, to plate up the dish.
1: I think I think with, with plating, it's it's some, you you can buy some tools, and and these thankfully are not expensive. Ring molds, um, even if you have two or three, a uh, couple of different circle ring molds, um, some that are tall and some that are shorter, uh, that is, I mean, that's what we do in the restaurant. Oftentimes we'll mold rice or uh, mold another type of starch, or, you know, let's say I'm doing soft shell crabs with Napa cabbage slaw. I'm definitely molding that slaw because it's the only way to make it look nice. Um, And then squirter bottles. So for your sauces, you know, just, and, and making sure that you're very careful with the tip of a squirter bottle that you don't cut it Um, Sometimes they need to be cut because it's just too fine of a, yeah. So if you do, make sure you have a sharp knife and that you cut it absolutely straight. Even sometimes cooks will cut them on an angle. I'm like, okay, you're never getting a nice drop out of that. And you can buy, I mean, there's so many squirter bottles that are available. You can get like little tiny dropper ones. And that's that's not for making just
0: just dots. I mean, the squirter bottles are so that you, you can control the portioning of whatever that might be. You know, that's Yeah, or you can do t- lines of sauce or or pools of
1: sauce. Your or, favorite zigzags. Or zigzags, whatever you want. And that's and that's a fun part of cooking is the plating part. So if you well, have some of those and like I said, those are inexpensive things to have on hand and
0: and you gotta think about the, the size of the main plate item mm-hmm. in the dish. And every dish does not have to be uh you know the the peas in one the, you know the carrots in one compartment like a kids plate right and the the, that's, the that's chicken in the, the main compa- you know
1: they used to plate in the, like the 70s and into the 80s it was very much yeah, a it, three compartment it, but it doesn't have to right.
0: be every dish doesn't have to have a starch Mm-mm. you know that's a, you, you have to think about the entire meal when you're planning mm-hmm. the entire meal i mean maybe you have starch worked into your first course so
1: well and also perhaps or starch
0: is a side dish that you share
1: Right. Right. Which is a nice thing about and cooking usually, at home is that that side dish can come out, you know, out onto the table in this wonderful casserole dish and you don't have to put it on the plate. I mean, that's, that's the fun, that's the good thing about cooking at home. You're not plating necessarily individual plates unless you are doing a dinner party and you want to, but you don't have to. Like if I do potato gratin, that potato gratin is going into a beautiful gratin dish. And, and that's, you know, I'll either serve the guests at the table, pass it around and serve it myself, or if, if they can handle it, they can serve themselves. But yeah, that's well and the other thing about plating is I've noticed we, okay, we have a lot of great grocery stores here and I and, and that's and, and also we have a lot of great farmers markets. And you can have your own garden and you know you can always pull garnish from your garden or from the market or from the grocery. I mean, I've seen flowers in in, well, in the grocery it, here now, edible flowers.
0: Sometimes it's a little cost prohibitive to you know to to you're going to go buy you know a package of edible flowers or something. And it's an extra eight bucks on your on your tab. That's not always, I mean, sure. frankly, that's not that cool. Um, you may want to think about and look for garnishes in the items that you're already preparing for the, the dish. You know, that's, and if you have good color in the dish itself, you really, you may not need a whole lot of things for that plate. That's the one thing that, you know, when when, I mean, how often does a home cook buy three things that they use a quarter of Mm-hmm. And because this the way, that's the way they're packaged, and then never use the rest of it again. I bet you that happens all the time. Mm.
1: So there there are different things, but you do want to contemplate how you're going to plate before you get to that step, especially if you're doing a dinner party.
0: Well, planning is a big deal, mm-hmm. and, and actually, if you're provisioning, you know, you're you're getting your what you want to cook. If you want main plate items, if you want I mentioned guinea fowl. If you want a particular cut of beef, if you want fish, it's a really good idea to to plan for that a little bit. Have a chat with somebody at the grocery store.
1: Yes, you're you know, you're going to have to pre-order lo- anything special, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. but I mean, you're going to spend the money anyway, so why leave it to chance? Why so you're not? saying
1: think ahead, plan ahead, yeah. and be organized. But that's that's how you have to work in a commercial kitchen. So at all times. But the the farmer's markets really do open up a lot for, you know, planning now because you can go to the market and you don't even have to think about it until you get to market. Once you see what they have, then you can sort of build around, oh, my goodness, I see what's in season now. I should work with this. And then you can head to the meat department at the grocery store and say, well, I have this. This is where I need to go now or seafood, or whatever. Cook what's good. Exactly. Cook what's now and good. All right. So what rosés do you like right now? Oh,
0: yeah, it's spring. I think people want rosé for their drinking needs in the spring. And uh, it's, they're, they're, there's a bunch. I mean, you want things that are fresh and nice and charming. Um, there are rosé bottlings that, uh, frankly, are a little bit sweet. And it's, you, if you want something sweet, that's that's a different thing. Um, a couple of recommendations. Uh, a Washington State Winery, Airfield, does delicious rosé and has a good body to it. Mm. Most West Coast rosés, you expect them to have a little body to them. Um, Sancerre rosé, if you want really a, a first-class rosé, and if you want one that's a little more interesting, has a little more bouquet, Sancerre rosé, usually it's a year older, and that's that's kind of if you're trying to be the rosé sophisticated. If you want to be fancy rosé, people always think French rosé, and the, and the producers for that are Tompier. Uh, down along the Mediterranean and very close to the Mediterranean, Chateau Simon. Those are the break the bank, impress everybody, Rosés, if you want to do that. But two little picks that I always like from down there. One, uh, Chateau de la Bargemone. It has a big, elaborate, tan-colored label. Uh, Bargemone is B-A-R-G-E-M-O-N-E. Bargemone has been consistently excellent for a number of years, and that's largely Grenache. Um, that's dry, clean, strawberries, you know, bright, fresh, way too quaffable. And another producer that's much less known, uh, Chateau de Lancire. Uh, this is a producer from uh, Pison loup also in the south of France. And there's a decent amount of uh, Syrah in that one. It has a little bit oh, darker flavors and aromas, and mm-hmm. but and also firm and clean. That does well with a lot of different food. And a bargain pick from Argentina, El Libre. That's All right. right. <laughs> the freedom. <laughs> the freedom to spend under $10 for a bottle there of wine. There you go. Sounds good. The, uh, that, <clears throat> that stuff is pretty darn delicious. And the thing to remember about South American wines is they're always going to be six months older. They were harvested in the spring. There you go. Because the seasons are the opposite of ours. Good
1: point. All right. So
0: be beware of that. Well, if you exciting. If you want to drink rosé in the fall, drink the stuff from South America. Okay. So are you ready for Chef's Challenge?
1: I am. Let's have it.
0: I know you were trying to rip it out of my hands. <laughs>
1: I just thought you were handing it to me.
0: All those paper noises, listeners.
1: Oh look, you gave me a bone-in pork rack, chickpeas. I love dried chickpeas. Oregano, dried tomatoes, garlic, shallot, onion, asparagus, mint, fresh mozzarella, fresh vava beans, Calabrian chili oil. Oh, this is yummy. Good list, Tony. Um, so, what are you gonna make? I'm going. Well, I'm to- hungry, so <clears throat> the
0: list usually is better when I'm hungry, and I'm not trying to get you to cook hot dogs.
1: The chickpeas need to start cooking because they take a long time. So saute a little bit of onion shallot and gently add, uh, saute the garlic at the end. Um, add uh, I don't have any stock, so I will add water and a little bit of the a dried... A lot of
0: people don't have any stock. Yeah,
1: a little bit of the dried oregano. And I'm going to put some of the dried tomatoes in as well. And that will really perfume that as it cooks and a little bit of the Calabrian chili oil in as well you to bo- flavor you, it. If
0: you want, you can borrow one item <clears> from <throat> a neighbor in the Chef's Challenge.
1: One one item from my neighbor? Yeah, you
0: can borrow one item from your neighbor. <laughs> okay, good. That should be a new rule in the Chef's Challenge. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right, so the chickpeas are cooking and I have asparagus, mint, mozzarella, fava beans. So I'm going to make a salad. Um, well, while the chickpeas are cooking, I need to get the pork in the oven. So it's a bone-in pork rack Um a little bit of salt and pepper and corn oil on the pork rack and I'm really I'm gonna rub that in there uh, a couple of times to make sure it really is well seasoned and
0: I'm going to I mean a d- deep tissue massage for the pork rack with salt
1: <laughs> I'm going to put it in an oven at uh, 425 degrees for 15 minutes and then back it down to just right under 300 and roast that very slowly and keep an eye on it to make sure it is getting good color and if it is great, if it's getting too much color, I'll put foil over it and just let it just just let it go. And it shouldn't get too much color. at such a low temperature to roast, and roast that until it's medium, nice pink and tender. And um, obviously, let that rest when it comes out of the oven. <clears throat> and I'll I'll slice it uh, through the through the bone and serve the chops. Serve it as chops. Meanwhile, I'm going to cook the asparagus and the fava beans. So fava beans go into salted water, highly salted boiling water. And once they blanch, and you want to just barely cook them because your, your goal is to loosen up that skin on the outside and um, to peel them. So just cook them probably for about three minutes in the boiling water and uh, then shock them in ice water to stop the cooking process. Peel them and uh, put those aside and then blanch the asparagus. And since I have mint, and that's the only thing I haven't used yet, and I don't have any olive oil. Do I have any olive oil? Okay, borrow so from a neighbor. I'm, I'm going to borrow olive oil, which an extra virgin olive oil, um, and just lightly dress the asparagus, the fava beans, and make a salad with uh, a chiffonade of mint, which is just a, a very fine chop of mint, slice of mint, really, and uh, lay out buffalo mozzarella underneath it. Put the, the the vegetables, the asparagus and the favas over the top, and extra virgin olive oil, salt and pepper, and that little bit of mint, and that will be really pretty.
0: You could drink one of those nice bottles of rosé. Okay. With that. Uh, the uh, people are always asking about white or red for port. You can do it. You can definitely do either, but rosé this time of the year, why not? Okay.
1: Your turn, Tony. Uh, let
0: me get my glasses on. <laughs> See what you've written. It's very small. Asparagus, soft shells, whales. <laughs> it is the size of the soft shell. It is not It is not whale blubber. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> butter, extra virgin olive oil, whales. Uh, lemon, ramps, strawberry, reggiano, butter, lettuce, lima beans, chicken breast, chicken stock. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. The uh, Do I? Hmm. Do I have a little bit of... I'm going to borrow some cream from a neighbor. Okay. And make a cream sauce with the parmigiano and a little bit of lemon. And uh, I'm going to reserve that and have that with the chicken breast. I'm going to sear the chicken breast off on on the range. I'm going to finish them in the oven to keep them kind of nice and juicy, and I can rebase them just in their own juice a little bit. And when I go to plate them, I'll plate them with that parmigiano cream. Uh, The asparagus and the soft shells, I like asparagus with soft shells. I usually don't like asparagus with a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, But it's hard to fry at home. That's one thing. I might, we're, we keep coming up with uses for Teflon pans. I might use a Teflon pan to, uh, at relatively high heat, um, for soft shells.
1: To saute it, you mean? To
0: saute them, yeah. They don't need a tremendous amount of salt, like most things from the sea. These are big soft shells, so we want them crispy on the outside and to be warm. They may just need to slide in the oven for a few moments. Uh, the asparagus, I would just blanch. And, uh,. I wish I had some tarragon for the soft shells and the asparagus. The butter I would brown on top of the range, and uh, use a little bit of that brown butter for the soft shells and the asparagus. And what else? Butter lettuce and lima beans, strawberries. Strawberries are dessert, sorry. Just, they were like two weeks away from fresh strawberries. It's exciting. And yeah, I Can't would just, just slice them first, macerate them in their own juice and a little bit of sugar. Mm-hmm. and let them let them work a little bit and they'll be fine and dandy. You can do other stuff with them but if you have any more of that cream left you can whip it.
1: When I was a kid we would pour milk over them when they first came in.
0: The uh the the lima beans. Yeah, I would I would blanch those guys and uh slide them underneath the chicken breast with the with the Reggiano cream and I think that's everything except for the chicken stock which I will save for another time. Okay. So that's all of that. I think that's all we have time for on Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. I'm Tony Foreman. and Chef Cindy Wolf. If you would like to listen to this program or any other program on our podcast, you can go to the WYPR site and look up the Foreman and Wolf page. Uh, that's wypr.org. And you can download the program that you want to listen to. If you'd like to send us questions or comments, please email us, foremanwolf at wypr.org. If you want to follow Chef Cindy Wolf on social media,
1: you can follow me on Twitter as Chef Cindy Wolf and on Instagram as Chef Wolf.
0: Yeah, I'm the real Tony Foreman on Instagram. (laughs) That
1: always makes me laugh. Well, (laughs) because it's pretty cute, isn't it? Oh, it's adorable. Uh huh. Well, okay.
0: Thanks everybody for listening. And have a great Sunday.